Welcome to Exploring the Ancient Forest. More than 20 years ago, Australian death doom metal band Paramecium released their sophomore album Within the Ancient Forest. The album lyrics were based on the book Within the Ancient Forest, written by Andrew Tompkins, the band's vocalist and bassist. In this podcast, we celebrate and explore the plot, the context, and the symbolic significance of the story behind this piece of classic doom metal history. So, hello and welcome to episode 3. Folks, you won't believe it. It's here. The Kindle edition of Within the Ancient Forest has been published, along with my German translation. And the best thing is you can get it now on Amazon for a measly 3 bucks. Man, I'm so excited. I'm also excited because I'll be interviewing Andrew Tompkins on this podcast pretty soon, at least I'm planning to, uh, which means that you can still submit any questions that you have for Andrew. Okay, meanwhile, today I continue with my analysis of Within the Ancient Forest, of the album lyrics against the backdrop of the book, by looking at the tracks titled I Am Not Alive and The Grave My Soul, which correspond to chapters 7 and 8 in the book. Here we go. Quote from Oscar Wilde's essay, The Soul of Man Under Socialism. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist, that is all. And another quote from C.S. Lewis's paper, The Weight of Glory. A man's physical hunger does not prove that a man will get any bread, but surely a man's hunger does prove that he comes of a race which repairs its body by eating, and inhabits a world where eatable substances exist. In the same way, though I do not believe that my desire for paradise proves that I shall enjoy it, I think it a pretty good indication that such a thing exists, and that some men will. End of quotes. The song I Am Not Alive has denial now advancing deeper into the forest, with destiny as his guide. More importantly, he is also venturing further into his thoughts concerning the nature of reality and of his own identity. He has left behind the overly rational, bright and sunlit world outside the forest and is now searching in the mysterious and unpredictable realms of intuition and the unconscious. Destiny has introduced him to mythical and mystical thinking, waking his desire for the hidden lands. But the promising dawn that accompanied the Song of the Ancient has now faded into what the narrator calls the longest night of my life. Denial is going through an existential crisis that has him wondering whether he has ever really been alive. While he is caught up in the dark night of his soul, his reason is beginning to protest against his being guided by intuition alone. Destiny would have that I blindly follow with no thought of my own. Denial is beginning to be as uncomfortable with Destiny's lead as his panicking horse Descartes had been at the sight of the forest lake. The rational side of denial feels left alone and in the dark, 
But is this really true? As Denial continues to ponder, he remembers his old teacher who sent him on this journey in the first place. A little side note, he actually seems extraordinarily talented at remembering his teacher's incredibly long utterances. Now while Paramecia might not be the doom band with the longest songs or the slowest riffs of all time, they do deserve a minor award for what is probably one of the longest lines or sentences in any doom metal song. This sentence is so ridiculously long that I will gladly quote it in its entirety. And remember, it's only an excerpt from a longer speech by the teacher as recalled by Denial. Okay, here we go. The fact that it is your utmost desire to behold both truth and life, comma, whilst you live in ongoing uncertainty and the ever-presence of death, comma, would suggest that this state which you find yourself in is not of your own demeanor, semicolon, suggests that you once had contentment in life from whence you've been enticed away, period. Are you still with me? What the teacher employs here is what is known as the argument from desire. For example, the C.S. Lewis essay, The Weight of Glory, that I quoted at the beginning, expresses the idea that our very desire for things that we do not experience in this world means that we were really created for another world. In this context, however, it is important to emphasize that the argument from desire is an argument and not a proof. The existence of heaven, or in the lyrics, the truth that the old man has fallen from the glory of the hidden lands, is merely suggested by the desire. Ultimately, faith is a reaction to that suggestion and always involves some kind of decision, for lack of a better term. The teacher has sent off denial, knowing that he would meet and be guided by destiny. The teacher could have insisted on himself remaining denial's only teacher, but the point is that he did not. He was aware of his own limitations. According to Blaise Pascal's Pensée, quote, Reason's last step is the recognition that there are an infinite number of things which are beyond it. It is merely feeble if it does not go as far as to realize that. End of quote. Now, according to some popular simplifications of what is really a much more complex issue, the capacity for rational thinking is sometimes said to be dominant in the left hemisphere of the brain for most people, while emotional processing, artistic functions, and we might even add the more intuitive side of our experience, is said to be dominant in the right hemisphere of the brain. The left and the right hemispheres of the brain do not contradict each other, but rather complement each other, just like one does not breathe by inhaling all the time. Reason and intuition must be held in balance. Thus, destiny may in some ways represent the opposite of reason, but her guidance is not opposed to reason. The role of destiny is not irrational, but transrational, as Richard Rohr would put it. She will now take denial's hand and lead him where mere reason could never lead him. This is why she repeats to him his teacher's mantra that reason alone cannot suffice. The path that denial is to follow is not that of reason alone, although it was reason that helped him find the path. Rationality is not complete without intuition, emotion, and faith. Denial also fortunately recalls his teacher's warning against certain shortcuts. He is to expect corruption and death within himself, and thus not to search for the ultimate truths that will redeem him through mere introspection. 
and he resolves not to search too much within himself, and also not in the world he immediately perceives with his senses, but rather what is called in the great beyond. The sacramentalism instilled by the Song of the Ancient re-emerges in the recollected words, There are greater things behind the sky than in all that you survey. With this transcendentalism, Denial once again decides to follow destiny's lead in his quest for the cure of his wretchedness and his hunger for truth. The hope for light returns. From the Gospel of Thomas Cleave a piece of wood, and I am there. Lift up the stone, and you will find me. End of quote. The song, The Grave My Soul, captures a very iconic episode in the tale. The falcon freewill has suddenly dropped dead to the ground in what seems at first to be a forest clearing, but turns out to be a fossilized part of the forest, in which the trees have long died, fallen over, and turned to stone and crystal. Denial questions Destiny about the nature of this place of stagnation and death, and she replies that, quote, The human condition, it seems, is to reduce all to tradition. End of quote. The fossilized forest is a haunting and powerful image of spiritual stagnation. The trees that were meant to live and grow have fallen and become lifeless. Free will, the externalized spirit of the seeker for truth and life, has fallen to his premature death in the poisonous atmosphere of this sylvan charnel house. This is a striking image of a mental atmosphere which allows no free thinking. And yet, Against all hopes and expectations, Denial finds a treasure in this unlikely place. Near to the spot where his falcon has fallen, he discovers the legendary Garen sword, deeply encased in a crystallized tree trunk. This foreshadows Denial's final lesson that, in death, there is life. It is quite an effort for him to remove the sword from its crystal grave, but at last he succeeds by the sweat and blood of his brow. With the help of the sword, he restores his falcon's life. Now, a lot could be said about this allegorical episode. For all intents and purposes, we might substitute personal faith or spiritual awakening for the Garen sword, and formal religion or mere tradition for the fossilized forest. For example, people who grow up within or close to the religious world, perhaps in a Christian home, often need to go through a real struggle to find their own personal response or relationship to what that religion entails. As G.K. Chesterton puts it in his book The Everlasting Man, the most important things are sometimes, quote, too large and too close to be seen, end of quote. The obvious meaning of the episode is that the life-giving gospel, which is what Garen's tale and the sword stand for, may be found in some places, maybe churches, that otherwise hold up mere tradition, and thus breed stagnation and death. In an earlier Paramecium track, The Voyage of the Severed, Andrew Tompkins has also written about a church of corruption whose rigorous religiosity is made up of traditions and lies. At the same time, one could argue, the episode demonstrates that tradition does serve a purpose. The powerful sword has been conserved within the petrified tree trunk, Yes, it has been lying in a grave, but at least the coffin has served to preserve the sword within. Extreme conservatism might lead to petrification, but at least it is good for conserving things. The danger is that tradition can stop fulfilling this purpose 
and start developing a life of its own and become its own purpose until of all that was little remains, as destiny puts it. Now that he has found the sword, Denial is equipped, although not ready, to do what his teacher suggested, to live out the Book of Garin's tale. From the moment he set out on his journey, the story has seen a steady progression from him taking a step into the unknown and meeting an actual immortal to now holding in his hands the legendary sword of Garin himself. Destiny feels highly uncomfortable in the fossilized forest, and the two quickly leave the place behind. However, even though the Garen sword has given Denial a clearer sight of his surroundings, he is not quite ready for what he sees. The forest is littered with the nameless graves of the living dead. Haha! <coughs> the book actually depicts the moment at which Denial's strength and abilities are invigorated in a rather cheesy way that has the reader expect him to invoke the power of Grayskull. So I will gladly pass it over here. I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> In addition, the book also has Destiny explain that Denial himself had really lain in such a grave until his passage over the forest lake. He was indeed not alive. If you think about it, this adds another layer of meaning to the fact that the album begins with the crossing of the pool. This was the moment at which he awoke from the Matrix, so to speak. So by the end of the song, Denial is refreshed and feeling stronger and more alive than ever, and carrying a life-giving blade through a forest filled with graves. He has found life in death, but can he now resurrect those who are dead in life? Thy cold embracing So, people, that was it for today. Uh, I hope you had as much fun as I did with this episode. Um, I'd really like to hear from you. So keep in mind, you can contact me. You can find Ancient Forest Podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Or you can even write an email to ancientforestpodcast at gmail.com. You can submit voice questions using the hashtag Ancient Forest Podcast on SoundCloud or on YouTube. And you can also find Andrew Tompkins' website at www.abtompkins.com. All right, hear you next time.